Reporting is Eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. They're a small local roaster in Appleton, Wisconsin, and I make a pot of their Packerland breakfast blend just about every morning. I also have a very large bag of the barrel-aged coffee that I enjoy on the weekends. If you go to appletoncoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you'll save yourself 10% and you will support the show. Once again, that's appletoncoffee.com, code RAE at checkout. something to sell you're wasting your time i'm not buying if it's anybody else wait for the tone you know what to do and p.s if this is austin i still love you Hey everybody, welcome to Reporting is Eligible, Season 2, Episode 14. I wrote it down this week, so uh, just to ruin Jarrah's night, I, I did not forget what the number was. Um, <clears throat> this is the, the the bear game, the Packers' complete and total destruction of Mitch Trubisky and company. Um, a, a, a fun one all around, honestly. Uh, hard to fault anything, but uh, it should be a good one to talk about. With me, as always, in urban Wauwatosa, we have... A.R. Radcliffe, training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Disappointed that we didn't stick to the shtick of uh, not getting that, that episode number correct, but, you know, whatever. We're, we'll move on. That's fine. We'll be back next week. Uh, part of the shtick is occasionally not doing the shtick. So, uh, if you keep do it every week, it gets a little bit old. So, to be fair, though, I thought we were supposed to keep track cumulatively, not episodes per season. Um, I don't know. Like, I kind of like that we can have them grouped as, um, you know, this is the 2020 season, this is the 2019 season. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I like it that way. I think it's cleaner. Um, you're you're right. If I'm copying effectively wild, it should be like episode a thousand or whatever. But uh, I I just like the uh the structure of a season by season, you know, football season matching podcast. Anyway, I suppose we should eventually introduce Matt. <laughs> And I'm Matt, but you can call me Matub. Yeah. Meme Weaver for Acme Packing Company, General Twitter Rabble Rouser. Ah, well, this one was good. Um, I like to have these nice, enjoyable games every once in a while. Um, a nice change of pace after after the Colts game was nerve-wracking and went to overtime. And I like it when they do exactly what they should. And uh, they did exactly what they should. They got turnovers from Mitch, who's terrible, much worse than I remember. I feel like he's gotten worse every year. He has. Um, he has gotten worse this year. Uh, it, like he threw a few passes that made me wonder how he was ever scouted as being good in the first place. They were just wobbly and weak, and um, you know, just looked terrible. But um, they got their turnovers. They scored, you know, points on defense. They got good field position on defense, and and they had no trouble going through the bare strengths on offense too. So I, I mean. I, I have nothing bad to say about this game, really. Even the players that we typically get on played pretty well, and uh, uh, Darius Shepard's even gone. So, um, what could well, be, what could be better? Kirksey was terrible. Kirksey was, like, was terrible. That loud was point. He was loud bad. He's very slow, and that's not new. We saw that against Kirk Cousins when he got outrun by Kirk Cousins, which is incredible. Um, fortunately, though, that's a problem that kind of solves itself. They play Kirksey too much, but there's other linebackers when they're healthy that they can play there. If he becomes a liability, that can be uh, Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin territory. So that's fine, too. What are you going to do? Um, so I, I guess on on the subject of Kirksey, the, the long run in the beginning, that, that was Kirksey's fault. It was Kirksey's fault. Um, Martin actually read the, uh, the run correctly. Mm-hmm. And was blocked and held 
So <laughs> uh, he tried to fill the gap that Kirksey was just literally standing and looking at. I, that, I guess that's the one bad thing about this game is that David Montgomery looked okay. And whenever David Montgomery looks okay, people yell at me on Twitter because I've made fun of that pick many, 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 <laughs> many, many times and stand by it because he's awful. But, uh, you know, any any running back's going to look okay against the Packer defense. That's that's all there is to it. Yeah, I, I'm sad we didn't get to see Cordero more, but that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> On rewatch, it kind of felt like we were watching the Packers defense do its normal thing, except it was the Bears, because the Packers were running right up the gut between the guards. Both guys, Jamal Williams had amazing touchdown run that got uh, their head coach <laughs> questioning their heart uh, a day later. Aaron Jones was unstoppable. Like, that's... As, as solid as they looked running the ball. I know, I mean, it obviously matters that Akeem Hicks wasn't there. Like, they didn't know he wasn't going to be there until until shortly before the game. So, like, the fact that they were ready to do that tells me, I'm, I'm sure some of that was going after the personnel that were was on the field, but they were, they were anticipating running that ball down their throat. It is exactly what they did. It looked very much like the, the Bears and Packers defenses switched jerseys because I know the Bears are quite a bit better than that, but, man, they did, they did not look up to the task. They looked, they looked demoralized, and they shouldn't be that bad against the run. Um, Akeem Hicks is a good player; he's a good two-way player, but they're fast up the middle. Like that's Roquan territory, and it just didn't matter. And by the, both Aaron and uh, Jamal finished top five in DVOA for the week, which almost never happens with uh, teammate running backs. Uh, they just dominated up front, and and with the Packers um, missing key people on the offensive line to boot. I mean, they can complain about Akeem Hicks all they want, but Corey Lindsley missed a good chunk of that game. So, Yeah, um, but on the on the flip side of that, you're looking at Elton Jenkins likely starting at center next year after Corey Lindsley leaves in free agency and John Runyon playing as a starter. Quite possibly. Like, I think this, but, I think this, this game now. is the... Well, I'm going to say, I think this game is the death rattle of, of Corey Lindsley in, in Green Bay. That's um, because every offensive lineman they draft is a star. Six yeah. rounder John Runyon, starting guard in his rookie year, of course, <laughs> and doing a heck of a job allowing guys to run right through the Chicago Bears. What is going on? Just like we all expected. Uh, well, uh, Tex Western of Acme Packing Company said, and I quote, if a college lineman meets the Packers' athletic thresholds and does not suck, there is a good chance that he's going to be great in the NFL. It is true. And to be That's fair, Jason Spriggs sucked in college, so he did. <laughs> the story of the game is the offensive line. I mean, the fact that, like you said, Elton Jenkins shuffling around. He he's gotten a lot of pub now. I think he, people are aware of what he's capable of doing. But you know, Rick Wagner at right tackle was fine. John Runyon at guard, like they didn't miss a beat. They had him pulling. Like they they have no problem <laughs> using him as they use any other offensive lineman. Um, you know, your left tackle's a stud, like always. This is this is like the life and. Nobody wants Corey Lindsley to miss two to four weeks like he's going to do, but they're they're barely missing a beat when they lose anybody. It's it's pretty special stuff up front from the Packers. They haven't had perfect games by any means all, all year long, but this was a good one. Yep, and this was pretty much a perfect game from the offensive line perspective. They kept Aaron completely clean. I, I believe the Bears had no hurries. No hits, no, hits, no sacks. Um, just whatever he wanted to do, he did. Um, th- it's really weird to see a Bears defense of any recent vintage just get completely out physical like this see there was there were a couple times that like i 100 percent give the credit to rogers mobility within the pocket there's multiple times where khalil mack just ate billy turner's lunch and rogers just moved up in the pocket and and like but that's the thing is billy is so good at chipping shoulders that he will <laughs> let a speed rush he, he'll let a speed rusher like 
like Mac uh, take the edge a little bit too far and be like, okay, well, good luck bending back in. Yeah, there were times when Billy legitimately lost his one-on-one rep and Aaron Rodgers made it look better. So I think that this was a really good um, symbiotic game between Rodgers being old Rodgers, a.k.a. Godgers, <laughs> and the offensive line doing what they were supposed to do. I'm, I'm fine with that. If it looks bad and it works, I don't care. And especially... <laughs> Um, that that's a good way to deal with Mac because he does just shoot up field a lot of the time, and if he's going to run himself out of the play, you should let him do it, uh, especially with Aaron being so savvy to get around him. So that's good. And th- the other thing in this game that went the Packers' way that was not entirely expected is that Devontae Adams also just dominated Kyle Fuller. Uh, he only had 61 yards in the box and a touchdown, but uh, he was just a hair's breadth away from another like 130-yard performance. Um, Aaron missed him deep once, and... He he had a ball hit him in the hands on a giant huge pass down the field, mm. and, um, <laughs> and Aaron was like, "I missed him." Like, no, you didn't. He hit him right <laughs> in the hands. <so. laughs> dropped flat out, dropped a free play. That's at least yeah. another twenty yards. Um, you know, it's I, I looked back and looked a little bit. Small sample alert, but all of his hundred yard games have come on the road, and I, you saw him slip a lot at, on Lambo. And like, I mean, obviously he was still super productive. He ate ate full over lunch, caught a great touchdown. Like no one is saying he didn't produce in that game. He continues to, I think it's, is it six games in a row now? I think where he has a touchdown score, it's something like that five or six. So doing great. But like, that's one of those aspects. I wonder if the turf is, you know, if if you're going to be a crisp route runner, you got to have good footing. And uh, again, where where the dome or the road surface might come into play. Like that might be one of those things. that's just better away from Lambeau field going forward. That's Packers are a dome team. That's just our <laughs> dome yeah. team, man. The Lambo turf has really declined in quality um, over the last like decade or so, and they have made some noise about it this year already. Aaron mentioned it after the game as um, the footing having been bad and consistently bad. And uh, it's you know the uh, Soldier Field's always been kind of the the mark of the truly poor stadium. I think Lambo may have worse footing than Soldier now. The Bears have taken some steps to fix that and uh that's it's not good they, they should do something about the turf up there it does cost him every once in a while I'm, I'm looking at a at an article written in february titled packers field manager alan johnson wins national award <laughs> i don't care it's it's it gets slippery and there's painted dirt down there sometimes too it's bad fix it packers you got nothing else to do um let's see <laughs> mentioned Roquan Smith and to see him be a non-factor is weird and you're wondering are inside linebackers like a problem for the Packers anymore it seems like kind of been able to sort of negotiate them pretty easily yeah it's um a couple games in a row the Colts have really good inside linebackers and Roquan is one of the best inside linebackers the Bears usually kind of shut down the short passing game and the running game because of that and um that usually gives the Packers fits it usually takes away those easy throws to Aaron Jones it usually means the tight ends aren't as productive as they normally would be, though that has been a weakness of the Bears this year. And, I mean, Roquan did nothing in this game. He was useless. He he got um, north-south. He was completely useless. He got bulldozed a bunch of times. And maybe that's the secret, honestly. Uh, just going straight at guys like that sometimes works when they're speed lateral guys. But uh, he didn't seem to really track guys with his speed very well either. I kind of wonder if something's wrong with him. It's one of the worst games I've seen Roquan Smith play, frankly. But if the Packers have kind of figured out what to do against these kind of shell teams with fast inside linebackers, that's a good sign for the playoffs because they'll probably run into one or two of them. And um, 
I guess I didn't see as much strategic dominance as physical dominance in this game, but they did um, they did go around the cult strengths there by, by targeting them deep a little bit more, um, making them play back a little bit more, and then um, getting them on their heels a bit. So I think LaFleur maybe um, deser- deserves some credit for adjusting to teams like this and uh, putting together a better strategic play. So. Yeah, the some stuff that sticks out to me is uh, uh, Tunyon on his uh, short catch turned into bulldozing battle. Who's the new safety? What's his name? Johnson. Uh, it was the guy who. It was the guy who hit Lazard. Jalen Johnson. No, no, no. Sorry, I'm I'm mistaken. It was it was Scrine. Screen. Oh, screen. Okay. Uh, Busker. Buster. Buster Scrine. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Tunyon just ethered him. Well, he's, just he's sent a, that dude to the. He's yeah. a small, tiny slot corner, so that's not a good matchup for him. Um, it was, uh, was Jalen Johnson who did kill Lazard, and he is a rookie who's very good. Um, and, okay, so we're, we're not mad about the the Lazard hit, right? It was clean. It was shoulder. Yeah, I thought I thought so too. It just happened to be up on a guy who was you know coming back from abdominal injuries, and you don't like to see those guys mm-hmm. get hit in the body yeah. that hard. But it was clean. It was a good hit. Aaron kind of um, hung him out to dry, honestly. It, it was a murder ball, yeah. definitely. <laughs> uh, it wasn't the definitely the worst. I have uh, Trubisky threw a worse murder ball during garbage time <laughs> to David Johnson. So yeah, he like, did. Did you? He threw it up over his head, like into coverage. That's you're gonna get your running back murdered. But uh, MVS also incredibly physical game. Just blocked his ass off. <laughs> Didn't get a target, but he did block really well. Um, good, good to see him. Um, stay in the game despite not actually getting a target i wonder if he was told before he might be kind of a decoy but his run blocking was really really good he he, uh he did not let down by virtue of not having any impact in the passing game well that's multiple weeks in a row then yeah hey an nfl receiver i know we bag on him a little bit and we think that there there definitely are better options but like he's 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 an nfl receiver and he's getting better incrementally but he's definitely he's important to this team that's that's gonna go on his biography <laughs> he's an nfl receiver trending sports reporter for the milwaukee journal sentinel nfl receiver incrementally better but uh <laughs> yes and he's important for them they're not especially like with if lazard isn't completely healthy which he he seems like he is but takes a hit like that he's probably not exactly 100 percent going into <laughs> no. this week and it's good that robert tanyan appears to be completely healthy because uh you know they're they're a receiver injury away again from being from being pretty shorthanded. Although I'd be interested to see what they do with Tavon Tav, Tavon Austin Tavon Austin Tavon Tavon right yeah, Tavon Tavon Austin yeah Tavon Austin there, I blanked on how to pronounce that I I don't think you're gonna see him at receiver but I don't know I don't know what they're gonna do with him besides have him return I think he'll be the Irvin guy when until Irvin's back and you'll see some jet sweep motion with him. Tavon Austin is a terrible receiver. He's uh, He usually ranks in the bottom five DVOA whenever he's called upon to actually run routes. But as a runner, he's one of the best wide receivers in football and is always the top 10 efficiency guy, um, despite having pretty high volume, because that's all he kind of does. He's like a perfect Irvin fill-in as just a guy to take a few carries and, and scare people on that motion. And he's one of the fastest players in the league still. He's not that old. He's He's 30. And he's always been a speed demon, so he's a he's a good pickup to fill in there. He should, you know, he did upgrade. have some some success. I went I went and I watched some some Tavon tape. Uh, he's very good out of being schemed open. I guess I should like when when you run him in mesh, 
he's a monster. He he can he can house a five yard out. He can basically or a five yard crosser. The big like, problem with him is that he was drafted to be a deep threat, and he is one of the worst ball trackers to ever play the position. <laughs> um, he he does not locate the ball well in the air. He doesn't like coordinate his body well to catch the ball and make moves on guys deep. Um, so he's just he's designed to run fast and get open, but not designed to bring it in. So uh, Matt's right. If you if you can scheme him open with space, if you can do that, he can take it to the house anytime. Um, and you know that is kind of the urban role. That's what that guy's there for. So that's what he'll be, and he'll be a returner too. Um, and he's not. Uh, we bagged on Shepard for not being that football savvy for making some poor decisions. Um, Tavon Austin will probably do that once or twice too. <laughs> The difference being that when he actually does touch the ball, he's just much more explosive with it. Right. I would. I would much yeah. rather. I would much rather a guy who's stupid and runs a four three than a guy who's stupid and runs a four six. Correct. <laughs> really don't understand why the Bears didn't do what the Colts did on special teams. They they kicked it into the end zone. They didn't let Darius Shepard make mistakes. Did they not? Now watch the game film. <laughs> um, they're not the best run team and it, it may just have been a savvy thing that they didn't pick up on they might just feel it's never worth the risk and their mo is just to bang it into the end zone every time but i mean you're right it's an it was an obvious packer weakness that they should have taken advantage of and um just not something they picked up <laughs> on or cared to do then Cordero patterson tries to return it from eight yards deep i know he's a threat but like doesn't get to the 15 there they th- that was not the bears night they were not they were not in that game Nope. So here's something interesting. The Bears special teams coordinator, a guy by the name of Chris Tabor, uh, is a career special teams coordinator. Uh, okay. 2008, he was 2008. He was hired by the Bears to be the assistant special teams coach. Um, and in 2011, he went to the Browns. <laughs> so, so uh, he was. Uh, the special teams coordinator for the Cleveland Browns, while Sean Menango was the assistant special teams coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> so there are two shitbirds from the same cloth. <laughs> well, that is fine. I do not. I, I I am struck by how this has struck Matub. Like, I mean, the Browns are not a great organization, but my goodness. Yes. Okay, bad. so Jr., you might you might not know this. I I really really hate Sean Menango. Like a lot. Oh, I, I actually have heard. I'm aware. We, we have picked up on that. Was that when Pettin was there? Yeah, and it also was well. So Mike Pettin, Sean Menanga, and the Bears special, special teams special coordinator, coordinator were all. What a <laughs> amazing stuff! Ooh, that tickles me. I'm tickled. <laughs> uh, how about Mickinson Crosby missing an extra point? That's that's weird. That's the second miss that he has missed. No field goals, but two extra points. That is very weird. Um, I, I will on that last um, extra point last week. Um, the snap was bad. I did not go back and watch this one this week. But I didn't, I didn't watch this one either. It yeah. was the the I was more concerned about the Packers giving up 15 points to a terrible team, even in garbage time. I don't yeah. care. Still not. I don't great. think this game ends differently. But that's a that's a notable moment. Montgomery has that run that we talk about. The, the Packers have missed the extra point. They're up six nothing. Packers defense holds at that point. Now six three, and then at that point the offense starts to click again. Mitch Trubisky starts throwing the Packers the football. 
Savage, Darnell Savage, I, I know like he's just right guy, right right place at right time, haha, Clinton Dix, but like he made a great play on that ball in the end zone. Yeah, it, and it's speed play. Both of those picks were actually pretty good. Um, he was in pretty good coverage. The um the the one that wasn't in the end zone, it, he wasn't like in tight coverage, but he was in zone and he reacted well to the ball. Like it was a bad yeah. throw, but it was not a haha special. He was he was where he was supposed to be, <laughs> and he was in a good position to actually defend the that receiver was, behind him so that was a Jarrett bush super bowl xlv interception yeah i think that's that's <laughs> about right that makes sense so um, actually but he did he did however make a pretty athletic play on the ball there it was a it, it was a mm-hmm. spectacular catch animation as the madden heads call it <laughs> so yeah savage played pretty well in this game it was a, a nice little redemption game for him and preston um who had a pretty good game yeah. as well I do wonder if Preston got a little bit of a fire lit under him from losing a bunch of snaps in his starting role to Rashawn Gary, and uh, he seemed extra motivated. I know the recovering the fumble is easier than the causing the fumble is, and Zedarius caused it, but uh, he still he still hustled and uh, you know made a nice clean scoop and got himself. He still hustled. You know what's amazing to me is that eighty uh, five year old Julius Peppers appeared to be more spry with the football in his hands than Preston Smith does. <laughs> Well, no one there. There is no one like Julius Peppers. He's basically a ballet dancer in a giant person's frame. I don't know if you know this, but he played basketball in college. I had never heard that before. <laughs> is that true? Bears tight end Jimmy Graham. I've heard. <laughs> he, he is well. Um, okay. Count that as a fat guy touchdown, Preston Smith. I know he's not like technically he's mm. not an offensive big guy. I don't want to. I don't want to imply that he's gained a few pounds between these two seasons. Even if he, though I know that criticism is out there, if can they just call him though, fat guy. I think you can because if the Packers ran a four three, he would be. He would have. He'd his hand be the in, elephant end. Yeah, he would. He'd have his hand in the ground. He'd be the elephant end, and that would count. So I think. I think it counts. Um, good. I think. I think you're it was safe. on that. It's on that immediately. <laughs> fat guy touchdown. Darius. Uh, so Darius had another good game. Forcing that fumble. I know he like face masked the crap out of that guy, but like still, uh, he's been solid. The, the lack of call there was amazing. He had a good game. He did. Incredible. Um, hey, if if the game was closer, do you think people would be treating it like the Bakhtiari hands to the face against the Lions thing? De- absolutely. Definitely. No question about it. Uh, it's, it's have you met a bear? The, yeah, have you met a bear fan? Indeed. <laughs> um, Allen Robinson had a pretty good game volume-wise, and he scored two touchdowns, but he he had only eight catches on 13 targets. Jair was all over him for the most part. Uh, and a, a lot of that was just garbage time when people weren't really caring anymore. So um, very nice game there. And no Jimmy Graham revenge game. Instead, we got the typical Jimmy Graham game. Um, three catches, 32 yards. My favorite kind of Jimmy Graham game. Um, the, the completely garbage kind. Nobody did so, anything on that team. Shout-outs to John Meerdink, uh, Acme Packing Company, and Power Sweep. He uh, extrapolated Jimmy Graham's stats before this this week out to 16 <laughs> games. And Jimmy Graham's statistically very similar to 2015 Richard Rodgers. <laughs> oh! Richard Rodgers, by the way. Richard for Rogers, a guy who just caught another Hail Mary. Yes. Richard, um, on the strength of that Hail Mary, I believe, is currently... Sixth in DVOA for tight ends, <laughs> which is amazing. 
That's incredible. He can't run and he's old now, but he's still doing things. He's he has no become sense. he's become Jason Witten. He's he's the new Jason Witten. He slows himself open and he catches everything. <laughs> he's the slows He's the perfect speed for tight for uh, Hail Marys. He really is. It's really something. It's like I think a legit skill of his to be the trail <laughs> trail guy with a big body and giant hands. Uh, and you know he's he gets himself into the box out position by being slower than everybody, and it's just his wheelhouse. If I if I was a team that wanted to be good at random hail marys, I would sign him up in a second. Guys, what's going on down here? Oh, don't mind me. Exactly. <laughs> so good. Uh, let me just sneak into the end zone real quick. I didn't know Mirdink did that. I did the same thing with uh, with Tanyan because Tanyan's on pace to have like the greatest um, Packer tight end season ever, and this actually helped that out because he's gonna. Now he's on pace for about 670 yards receiving, and I think I think the count you've got to be around 700 minimum yardage wise. But T- Tanyan's number one in DVOA and number two in DR, um, which is the counting stat. So he's by far the best in the NFC because Kittle's hurt. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, did you say DR? <laughs> I think he said JR. DR. DR. I say DYAR. I say the whole the whole thing. That's what he calls the Packers' best cornerback. DR Alexander also leads the DR. I saw someone refer to him as J Dollar Sign, and I I felt old immediately. <laughs> that is not good. Let's not do that again. Um, Speaking of tight ends, Mercedes Lewis has a higher yard per catch average than Tony Gonzalez. Yes, he does. Uh, Tony Gonzalez has more yards per target over his career. But um, I, I, somebody was tweeting randomly today because Mercedes Lewis was like. The, the minimum qualifier for some stupid tight end stat, like minimum 400 catches and something, something. Um, but uh, I noticed on there, like Tony Gonzalez is obviously number one, and Mercedes actually <laughs> has, the, has the higher yards per catch average. Solid. Just by a hair. I'm going to pull it up right now. But did you, did, JR, did you see me uh, spitting random Mercedes Lewis facts? Uh, no. Mer- Mercedes Lewis. Mercedes Lewis, the only uh, first-round talent to catch touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers. I got another oh, one now too. That, now that Tavon Austin, Tavon, um, Tavon, Tavon Austin. Tavon. Is on <laughs> so I believe, I believe previously we talked about Mercedes Lewis was drafted before Barack Obama became a candidate for president. <laughs> That's true. Um, so that means moves like Richard uh, Rodgers now. Well, so that means that that uh, seven weeks from now, Mercedes Lewis will be playing football. Mm-hmm. During his fifth presidential administration, <laughs> yep. So or, uh, president presidential uh, term. By the way, not uh, close. N- Tony Gonzalez, eleven point four yards per reception for his career. Mercedes, eleven point nine for his career. Wow. Yeah. So a full half yard better than Tony Gonzalez. So. The Fame. Yeah, totally. Fun fact of our Mercedes Lewis, I learned today, drafted in the same draft class as Vince Young. <laughs> Packers legend Vince Young. That checks out. That sounds about right. It's incredible. <laughs> um, so Allen Robinson, you mentioned he was he was okay. Um, so I'm just going down the rundown. David Montgomery was okay. He was good. He was good. He ran hard. Yeah, he actually was good. And yes, the Packers contribute to, to running backs being good. But he also caught the ball really well, which he hasn't done that much this year. He's been okay. But he was a very effective receiver. Um, made them not really miss Cordero all that much. And 
Um, hopefully they keep giving him the ball because he really isn't good against good defenses, and I'd like them to kind of you know give him a lot of money and keep him around for a long time. And if the Packers can help with that, I'm all for it. But <laughs> always the three D chess. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, uh, they're gonna give Trubisky another shot next week. I don't know why. I mean, they can do what they want, but like. I, I don't know. It's all about options for them. I'm not sure they have a better better shot, but like I know Foles wasn't playing like noticeably better, but Trubisky was so bad in this game, and it's been so bad. And Foles was like not good, but good enough to get him over the hump for five games and luck them into a few wins. And he's not completely atrocious. I don't know why you don't go back to him if he's at all healthy. Maybe he's not. Did you? Well, did you see the the PFF betting uh, podcast? I did hear that he that no, they don't change the odds no matter who they play at quarterback, including the third string guy. But but also, uh, Pro Football Focus on their podcast saying which way you should bet the spread said bet the Bears to cover because Mitch provides an athleticism. He goes, it doesn't matter that that he's not as good of a quarterback as Foles. It's the athleticism that's gonna. <laughs> and I think in Trubisky run once, one. He hasn't twice. been a runner since his rookie year. That's just a bad job by PFF. Like. When he was good his rookie year, they were bootlegging all the time, and he ran all the time, and I don't know what happened to him. He had a hip injury at some point. But he doesn't do that anymore, and he hasn't for a long time. That's stupid. Serious but, Matt Flynn vibes, guys. That's, that's who he is. Matt Flynn? He looked like Matt Flynn in that game. His arm was crap. Like Yeah, but Matt Flynn is smart. And accurate. That's a good point, though. Trubisky's dumb and inaccurate and also has a bad arm. <laughs> Anecdotally... And- it does seem like Trubisky has at least some sort of pocket awareness. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's wrong. He can't <laughs> escape anything. But it does seem like he has has it develop in his head. It just it just doesn't doesn't translate when he tries to throw the football. I think he is the quintessential um, looks the part in college. He is a handsome guy who stands back there and delivers the ball on time, but but is inaccurate and has that deficiency in his game that is just hard to fix at any level. Like um, that's why when I run my own stats, the, the most and CPOE is the most important stat for scouting college quarterbacks for this very reason. Like um, accuracy is the hardest thing to fix. And if you don't have it, you're probably never going to have it. And that's Trubisky's big problem. And that's why he never should have been picked that high in the first place. So is, is this where we do the, uh, Moneyball thing, and we go like, like he's handsome, and his girlfriend's hot, and yeah, <laughs> and, he's and the and the and his throwing motion looks good on film. The motion, it's a good motion. Uh, I tell you who else is handsome. Who's that? Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. They are incredibly. They're very, they're very handsome. And they both just passed Aaron Rodgers this week in career passer rating in NFL history. What a week for the Bears to be going back to Mitch Trubisky as Mahomes and Watson ascend to the throne Ah, of the best passer ratings in NFL history. Only to be passed again, I'm sure, in short order. But still, what a week for the Chicago Bears. So Watson had it for three days before Mahomes took it from him. Prior to that, Aaron Rodgers had it for nine years. Still the GOAT. Yep, still the GOAT. Going for Trubisky over those two also is a very, I think, <clears throat> old-fashioned mistake by the Bears, and I use old-fashioned as a euphemism for a much worse <laughs> word. Um, that they, would you would you say that they thought Mitch had a winning complexion? I would say that, yes. <laughs> well, they it, the Bears have a bit of a history there, and um, it's it, there was no real... I, I know that people did like Trubisky, but 
uh, in hindsight, 2020, looking back on that, there's just no reason to take him ahead of either of those two. His stats are worse. He scouts worse. He's not as athletic. His arm is worse. Like he literally does nothing better other than like look good standing still behind a line, and that's not a useful quarterback skill. And for a lot of teams, they still will it will air air. They'll they'll, they'll go for the. <laughs> They'll go for the quote-unquote safe white guy more than they should, and it just—it's it, it, becoming less of a reality. Thank goodness, and a lot of the good quarterbacks have proven that that's a terrible idea. <laughs> but uh, I, I do think the Bears do fall victim to that more often than some other teams, and did here. Going back in time to that draft, I'm trying to remember some context behind Mahomes and Watson. I do remember Watson being sort of a controversial prospect like it wasn't clear that he was going to get taken in the first round at all uh, and then the Texans sort of took a risk on a middle first round Holmes I don't know if it was because he went to a school that's kind of kind of off the beaten path for you know well, I don't even know if I'd agree with that it's, he definitely was uh, had a high profile I remember people saying like Patrick Mahomes is a top three pick I don't remember that being out there Maybe that's all part of the same problem that we're talking think, about here. So, why those guys? I think that's literally rating. the case. I think that 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 is actually true. That you're right. Those guys were not talked about as certainly consensus top of the draft class picks, but they probably should have been. Um, and I do think part of that is just um, a lot of the problems that I just mentioned are also endemic to, especially the talking heads who deal with the draft um, on ESPN and and other places. Um, that still comes into play quite a bit. So. Um, it, it was not, at the time, any kind of stupid move by the Bears necessarily. Uh, the trade-up makes it stupid. I mean, a Very lot of was, my yeah. people said, you know, a lot of analytics people said at the time, don't, don't do that. <laughs> if you're going to take him, you let him come to you. But uh, um, it, it was it was not seen as universally stupid, but it probably should have been. Trubisky's, um, all, all of the metrics that we know that indicate that a quarterback may be good in the future Trubisky didn't have. Um, he was a pure scouting pick. And if you're going to go on a pure scouting pick, well, the other two are much better pure scouting picks with much more potential, higher ceilings, better arms. Um, it's it's just a, a bad way of going through things. Like If you've got a guy like, like Joe Burrow, um, unfortunately out for the year because he plays for a trash team and tore his ACL, um, and actually tore up like his whole knee. Joe Burrow had had the stats that make you think he's probably like a sure thing like if you pick that guy high that's fine like his completion percentage was off the charts good trubisky is like a weird project that people just invented and there's there was no reason to ever think he'd make it in the nfl he should go down with like the kyle bowlers of the world as a just a total miss scouting statistics and everything you've been doing some look at drafts past at some of the quarterbacks that the bears have missed on throughout history not just not just in mitch trubisky's case tell us what you found <laughs> all right so um one of the things i decided to do because i like rubbing salt and because i had some, <laughs> oh my god do you ever i had some spare time is i decided to look back at past drafts i started with just from the time aaron Rodgers got into the league at quarterbacks that the, the bears could have drafted um part of this was also driven just by the fact that um, yeah, I was thinking about Jordan Love being on the team, and I, I didn't really care for that pick, but it did remind me that the Packers under Ron Wolf many, many, many years ago always did have a good backup, like consistently, especially when Favre started to get older. Wolf um, started taking people more and more frequently, 
And that's why they had guys like Matt Hasselbeck and Mark Brunel and Aaron Brooks. And those guys barely ever played, but, you know, it was actually kind of nice to have them around. <laughs> it was a nice security blanket, and they did become assets every every now and then. So um, the Bears don't really – they haven't really drafted that many quarterbacks, generally speaking. Like, their their biggest ones that they've taken, aside from Trubisky, are like Cade McNown, um and then really late guys like Kyle Orton, um, Moses Moreno, um, let's see, Craig Krenzel, um, just guys like in the fifth or sixth round. And, you know, if you're a franchise that basically has never had a good quarterback, and the Bears have almost literally never had a good quarterback outside of Sid Luckman, um, not picking the most valuable position on the field for the franchise history is a really bad idea. So I went back and compiled a list of um, everybody that they could have taken just easily. Uh, by the way, the Bears trade away their early picks a lot, and I didn't want to just deal with recreating who they could have taken by not trading, so I ignored that. But um, for instance, I mean, everybody knows the Bears could have taken Aaron Rodgers because almost anybody could have taken Aaron Rodgers. Um, the Bears had the fourth pick in that draft. They took Cedric Benson. They took a running back with the fourth overall pick. Um, they, they also picked Kyle Orton in that draft, so it's not like they didn't think they needed a quarterback. They picked him in the fourth round by the way, pretty high, uh, you know, maybe it would have been a good time to gamble on an Aaron Rodgers in the first round, you know? Um, you know, my my favorite thing about Cedric Benson, not that he was drafted over Aaron Rodgers, but that by and large is remembered as a Bengal. <laughs> so I do so kind of think of him as a Bengal. That's true. Yes. So not, o- not only did they spend the fourth overall pick on a running back, they spent a fourth overall pick on a running back who's not even remembered as part of their team. Yeah. Um, and I also think of him as bad. So, uh, in, yes, also that. <laughs> in, in 2008, um, the the Bears picked Chris Williams uh, with the 14th pick in the draft. They could have had Joe Flacco with the 18th pick. And, you know, Joe Flacco is by no means a great quarterback, but I think is easily the second best quarterback in Bear history if he's on the Bears. Um, that was also the draft where they picked Matt Forte, so they went to another running back later on. That's what they do. Um, in 2011, they could have um, selected either Andy Dalton or Colin Kaepernick uh, with the 35th or 36th pick. They took Gabe Karimi out of Wisconsin with the 29th pick instead. And again, uh, they picked a quarterback in that draft. They picked Nathan Enderley in the fifth round of that draft. So again, they were like better quarterback. Not that either of those guys are particularly great. You know, Colin Kaepernick had a few good seasons. Andy Dalton's been kind of bleh his whole career. But for the Bears, that's a huge win. Um, and well, don't you know about the Dalton line? No, I don't know about the Dalton line. The Dalton line is the thing that started on Reddit. Andy Dalton is the litmus test for franchise quarterback. He himself is not a franchise quarterback, but he, if you are better than him by 1%, you are good enough to be a franchise quarterback. If you are worse than him by 1%, you are not good enough to be a franchise quarterback. Yep. The Dalton line. So um, I, I just to continue this, um, <laughs> you know, if, if you... We, we got on the Packers for taking Jordan Love, but um, it, it's good to take more quarterbacks than fewer quarterbacks. So, like, in 2012, Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins were both freely available to the Bears. Um, Russell went 75th. Kirk Cousins went 102nd. The Bears took Shea McClellan, a bad linebacker, and Alshon Jeffrey, a decent receiver. Over Wilson, they took Brandon Harden, uh, about 23 picks ahead of Kirk Cousins. Um in 2014, they could have taken Teddy Bridgewater or Derek Carr. Now, there they took Kyle Fuller, um, and Kyle Fuller's at least a good player. So we should point out when they actually took somebody at least halfway decent with their pick. But again, in that draft, they also drafted a quarterback. They drafted David Fales in the sixth round, which if you are gonna, if you are the Bears, don't draft a quarterback named David Fales. 
pick somebody else. Um, in 2016, they could have taken Jacoby Brissett or Dak Prescott. Um, they could have taken Jacoby Brissett instead of Jonathan Bullard. They could have taken Dak Prescott instead of DeAndre Hall. Um, those guys were available. And then you get the Mahomes-Watson draft. In 2018, they could have taken Lamar Jackson instead of Roquan Smith. Um, now, Roquan Smith, again, is a good player, at least, but he's an inside linebacker, and you could have taken a really good quarterback. And even in 2019, um, they could have taken Gardner Minshew instead of Riley Ridley, a bad receiver who they drafted. So they, they almost never take um, chances on quarterbacks in the draft. The ones they draft tend to be fifth, fifth round or later. That's Orton in the fourth, Enderley in the fifth, Fails in the sixth. The one time they went up to get Trubisky, they passed on generational talents. And um, if they just would have taken a couple more shots over the course of the last decade or so, 15 years, maybe they would have hit on a guy who's at least halfway decent and gotten to him to a Super Bowl with that defense. So um, I, I also did want to point out, um, uh, the segment's dragging on too long, but really, 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 really quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were also able to pick every Packer quarterback of any note between Favre and Aaron Rodgers, including Favre and Rodgers. The, um, they did have picks available to take Mark Brunel. Um, they drafted a guy named Albert Fontenot instead. They could have taken Aaron Brooks. Instead, they got Roosevelt Colvin. Um, they could have taken Matt Hasselbeck. Um, and instead, they took, let's see, a guy named Chris Draft. They drafted a guy named Draft instead of taking <laughs> Matt Hasselbeck. Um and, and, you know, they could have taken Aaron Rodgers for Cedric Benson. So um, they have all these guys that they could have taken. So when you see that the Packers have had good quarterbacks and the Bears haven't, just realize this it's not luck. It's not, um, uh, it's not because the Packers are blessed in some way. It's that the Bears just choose not to pay attention to this position. And on the rare chance they do, they tend to screw it up. So. Well, I'm, so I'm going to be the guy that defends the Bears once. All right. Just once. I think Favre is unfair because he wasn't the first quarterback taken in that draft. He was taken in the second round. He was. So a lot of people screwed up on that. That's true. Say, oh. Do you know who the do you know who the quarterback drafted uh, before Brett Favre? I forgot. Was? I just just looking at it, but I have totally forgotten. The Robo QB, Todd Marinovich. Was it Todd Marinovich in that draft? Todd Marinovich was drafted by the Raiders prior to Brett Favre being drafted by the Falcons. Jeez. Good job, Raiders. Um <laughs> Hey man, Al Davis went after the flashy pick. He was California boy, yeah. long hair. His dad was a Raider. It was meant to be. Also, we do get on the Bears for trading up to uh, get Trubisky. We should also note when they drafted Caden McNown so many years ago, they traded. <laughs> they traded back to do that. They actually acquired other picks, which is usually smart. However, the, the uh, quarterback went right before Caden McNown was Dante Culpepper, who was. Oh God. <laughs> Who was excellent until he tore up his knee, which ended his career. But until then, he was great. And uh, they, like a lot of other teams in the NFL, also could have drafted Drew Brees and did not do that. So um, good times all around. That's that's your list of bear failures. I do feel like it's a little damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because, you know, we're critical of the Jordan Love pick. But essentially, that's what the Packers did. Now, granted, Aaron Rodgers fell to them. But there were so many teams in that draft that were, like, never going to take a quarterback. They were never going to waste their first-round pick, you know, incur the wrath of the fan base to take a quarterback. That's part of the reason why Rodgers didn't have to, like, really go past that many teams, truly, to get from 1 to 24. Once the Niners took Smith, there were really only one or two teams that were even a threat to take Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, then you got to stash him away for three years before you even really get to see what he can do. So, like, that's... That's a hell of a risk. And, you know, teams get hit hard for, for taking that risk. And 
sort of quote unquote throwing away a first round pick, but then, you know, you go aggressive and you go all in on a guy, which is probably in my mind, the bigger fault, you know, if a guy drops to you, that's fine. Take that risk. Maybe don't like go after a guy because that'll burn you even worse if he ends up not being the guy, but it is a little bit of a delicate dance to try to figure out just how much risk you want to take knowing that you want to take what you're talking about, those shots at quarterbacks, you know, throughout the years, like maybe take the guy in the third round instead of the sixth round. That, that seems like something that's a, that's a good piece of advice. How many, but how many quarterbacks did Wolf take? Uh, quite like a five. I think it was, so there's some down, um, down draft guys that Wolf took as well that we forget about, like Kyle Walkholtz and Ronnie Makeda. Um, so more than five, I, I think like, seven, <laughs> I think seven or eight, Ronnie Makeda was Mr. Irrelevant that year, by the way, the last. Is he out of like Navy or something? I think Army. Um, oh my gosh. I, I got it. I mean, that's close enough, right? I, I wonder how many Mr. Irrelevants have been, how many Mr. Irrelevants have been quarterbacks. Cause they do know that, uh, Chad Kelly was Mr. Irrelevant. The Broncos took him with the last pick a few years ago. I feel like you should do that. Army's right, by the way. Uh, um, <laughs> amazing. I would say last our Mr. average. Irrelevant, or, ugh, the last Mr. Irrelevant quarterback is Chad Kelly, as you indicated. Before yeah. that, Chandler Harnish of Northern Illinois gets drafted in 2012 by the Colts. Uh, but before that, you got to go back quite a ways. You go back to Mr. Makeda in 1997. All right. Wow. Very wanky of the Giants in 1991. Wank. Out of John Carroll College in Ohio. <laughs> what a what a pull that was. That's uh, great. There, there's one other guy on this list. I mean, obviously, none of these guys are people. And talk about a small school prospect there. Oh, my gosh. I could – if you had asked me, does John Carroll College have football, yes or no <laughs> – would have said no. Yeah. <laughs> I would have definitely leaned in the no direction. I would That's have amazing. asked you, what is that college? And did you make it up? Um, <laughs> I've been there. I took a tour there once. Yeah. All right. Nice. <laughs> Never was going to go there, but but it wound up, wound up on campus. It is a place that exists. Maybe they don't have football anymore for all I know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I'm just glad we get to make fun of the Bears again. And uh, we are in, insured with another several years of being better than they are. Kind of no matter what the Packers do. It's and the nice. Packers get another game this year against the Bears, so they have the yeah, added but, benefit. But Greg Gabriel told me last year that the window was closing <laughs> and the window was open for the Bears. Oh, man, Greg Gabriel. Right now, the the window, the house, it belongs to the Packers. The NFC yep. North is like... The, the oh, whole, man, the, the NFC North house, is such man. a train wreck. The, the one thing you can say is um, the Vikings, weird as they are, aren't a total train wreck. Um, and they lost to the Cowboys. They did, but they won against the Panthers on a last-second touchdown this it, week. And they it, lost to the Cowboys after Mike McCarthy did his Gallagher thing. The, see, it worked. That's the he, lesson. The lesson there is you should do that every week. They <laughs> lost to the Panthers because the Panthers screwed it up. They did. Mike McCarthy true. is one and zero when he smashes watermelons. <laughs> Undefeated. Vikings are in second place now, so I mean, not that they can possibly catch the Packers, but they're back to being a playoff threat, and I don't really want to play them, so um, I would take a look at too dismissive of them. Saints schedule. Uh, They have some hard Uh, games. They could definitely drop a few of those, especially with Tate. They saw the Chiefs. uh, The Vikings are in the mix there. The Vikings Uh, are going to beat them in Carolina. Yeah. Um, at Philly, that should be a win. But uh, (laughs) at Atlanta, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule out Atlanta's weird. I don't know what to make of them. Uh, they've been better since they got rid of their crappy coach. And remember, the Saints are starting Taysom Hill for a little, still, little while longer here. So they right. can lose to anybody. 
I see maybe a couple more losses at least on yeah. that schedule. So. Doesn't Drew Brees have like 11 broken ribs? Yes, he does. Eight on one side, oh three God. on the other. So Jesus Christ. He should retire. That that was a crushing, crushing um, injury. He should be done. Cr- crushing blow. Yep. <laughs> but there's Let's look ahead to the Packers game. Oh, sorry. Keep no, going. that's okay. I just The Saints are vulnerable. The Packers are in a good spot to get the number one seed because their schedule is just trash, and the Saints will probably lose two games. So um, One of those trash games coming up soon. <laughs> this week, they should definitely win the number one seed and then petition to play their games at Ford Field. <laughs> I mean, San Francisco's playing in Arizona now, so now there's precedent. Honest, honest <laughs> to God, and San Francisco probably deep down doesn't mind that. I mean, they're not they're not a dome team like the Packers are, but like whatever. Climate right, control. but what are the what are the odds of Wisconsin actually shutting down? The Packers should ask yeah, them to do good. it so they have an excuse to do this very thing that we're talking about. Yes. Well, the governor, we want we do not want to be allowed to play at Lambeau Field, and oh shucks, we're gonna have to go to Detroit to play our games in the playoffs. Would that be that would be Shame. the first playoff game hosted at Ford Field, wouldn't it? <laughs> 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 oh, so, the MAC championship game there is there every year. <laughs> oh, that's some hot maction right there. <laughs> oh, but yes, are... that would be that would be the first professional NFL football team to Host a mm-hmm. playoff game in Detroit. Yep. Uh, Motown since, Philly. Sorry. I was gonna say since Brett Favre broke the Lions' hearts. But the Silver Dome. They, yes. I believe, the Lions have played another game at the Silver Dome since 1994. Mm, I don't believe. Not... I don't believe they've played in the playoffs in the Silver Dome since '94. Really? So wait, I thought. I thought the negative one yard. No. Well, okay, that that was that was in Green Bay. The negative one yard game was in Green that Bay. That was Green Bay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yes, the Lions have not hosted a, a playoff game since '94. Uh, they have not hosted one in Ford Field. Yikes! All right. So, did, did you guys watch? The, did you watch the Eagles Seahawks game last night? No, God, no. Okay, watching Car- Jared. Did you? Yes, Carson Wentz's best play was when the snap went over his head. He retrieved the ball and was able to get away from the pressure and throw it out of bounds so that he didn't have to take the uh, the intentional grounding penalty. That was his best throw of the it game. It was. He makes me sad. Um, I don't think he enjoys being out there. Um, he looks like he's not interested, and it's it's just not good. It's uh, he, he he maybe should consider what he wants to do with his life, I think. Um, it, it's, well. it's not good. Well, uh, it's weird to see a guy decline quite that much, and he doesn't look like his head's in the game. Like, he just makes baffling decisions. The interception he threw um, in the end zone directly uh, to a Seahawk? Incredible. Like, what, what was he? What was the idea? <laughs> I mean, Mitch Trubisky's throw to Darnell Savage looked like a perfectly executed ball. Yeah, and we should keep in mind, like, as as bad as we kind of talk about the Packers' defense being, their, their secondary is quite good. Jair's good, and Kevin King's pretty good, and Shannon's pretty good. Um, the Seahawks have by far the worst pass defense in the league like their secondary is atrocious everybody scores a ton of points on them and and poor Carson Wentz just couldn't do anything against the worst pass defense in the league it was just baffling um I've seen some speculation that Nick Foles playing as well as he did in their Super Bowl run kind of did a number on his head that um that the drafting of Jalen Hurts maybe did too if that's true he should hang it up because you can't let competition destroy your ability to play football. Um, but uh, the Packers should have no trouble here. They should pick him off a zillion times. If he starts, Jalen Hurts is 
purportedly took first team reps today. So worth worth keeping that in mind that they may have a more competent quarterback um, playing than they have so far this season. If although nobody knows how if he's going to be any good or not, um, but uh, the Eagles are just a mess. Like the whole NFC, it, it, it amazes me that we are now talking about a uh, rookie potentially in his first start as better than someone who was a front runner for MVP just a couple of years ago. Didn't he win it? No, he got hurt and did not win the MVP. But okay. pro- had he not gotten hurt, he was far and away number one with a bullet. That team in position to win a Super Bowl. I mean, what the hell happened to that guy? Just a weird, weird career. Uh, just bizarre. Didn't he? But didn't he like blow up his entire leg? Yeah, it it was a bad injury. If memory serves, I don't remember exactly what it was. But like, I just I remember seeing him in a walking boot that went from his ankle all the way up to his hip. It was like a. Like a full body boot. You know, like, Darth Vader style right there. Sounds bad. <laughs> um, I like so, it when we when we talk about these games ahead, Paul. I like it when you say, here's the scenario where the Packers lose. Well, we can do that. I, I feel kind of of the belief that the Packers, you know, they played very well. They are capable of losing just about anybody, I think. So give me the scenario <laughs> where this game goes sour. It's at Lambeau again, so there's a weather issue. There's a weather issue, and so Hertz, I think, will start. I think everybody saw Wentz in that game and decided that that's enough of that. And that that adds a good deal of uncertainty into the game because nobody knows what Jalen Hurts is. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, he was a very high QBOPS finisher by, by my metrics that I run. Um, he had a good CPOE in college right up there with some of the best of his class. So it's not like he's... Um, some like loser quarterback with no potential he's actually maybe pretty good um super high completion percentage um and extremely extremely aggressive down the field now um jalen hurts had a weird college career um (laughs) and there are maybe some red flags just scouting wise on him there but he's super talented so uh, i doubt they'll be worse than they have been with wentz because it's hard to imagine that they could possibly be worse than they were with wentz um, and so if their offense is a little bit better and um, it's going to be hard for the Packers to scout it, the Eagles' defense is actually not that bad. Um, it's middle of the pack by DVOA. It's it's about 16th. They're, they're better against the run than the pass. They're 20th against the pass. But their defense is also hurt by the fact that their offense is so atrocious. They end up in a ton of bad situations um, as a result of that. And I think that their defense is actually a little bit better than they're maybe given credit for. Um, so... If the, this is one of those where if the Packers take it lightly, if they go into Lambeau, um, they're not expecting the defense to be quite as stout as it is if the weather's any kind of bad at all. And they're facing... So Jalen Hurts, is he was a good passer in college, and I don't want to underrate his passing, but he's a good athlete. He's he's uh, like a five-star, super-fast um, athlete. They did they bring him in occasionally to run Taysom Hill plays, which I think is actually kind of a waste of his talent. But uh, you know, occasionally mobile quarterbacks give the Packers problems, and... That's the way I think this game could go south on them is if they come in prepared for Carson Wentz's terribleness, they get Jalen Hurts' athleticism, big playability, and a defense that's better than they understand it to be. So that's what I would be on the lookout for. I was just looking up to see who the Saints' losses came against, thinking it's so important that the Packers don't fall too too far behind on NFC record, and then I realized, Top oh record. well. <laughs> The, the one loss was against the Packers. Yes, so it was. It doesn't matter in this case, but uh, but obviously the NFC game is 
is, is crit- critical if yeah. you're looking to win one of the win the top seed or one of the top seeds. Uh, the big thing the Packers have going for them, at least if the weather is not bad, and you know, it, it's got to be really terrible to, for this to matter. Is the Eagles' secondary is not very good, and they're not good against number one receivers. And this should be a, a big Devonte hey, game, kind of no matter. Guess what. who? Guess who the Eagles' number one corner is? Uh, I do not know. I have not looked. Darius Slay. Is it really? Yes, oh, it is. I, you know what? I did see him matched up out there on uh, on DK Metcalf a few times. Now that you mention it, Darius Slay. And Darius Slay is fine when he's healthy. He's pretty good. Um, Darius Slay is fine when he's healthy. He is not fine ever against, against Devontae Adams. Adams. Yeah, he's never had a good game <laughs> against Devontae. This is Devontae food. He is Devontae food. So I, I don't understand it because he's a great corner. At least when he's healthy and yeah. young, he's a he's a great corner. <laughs> Devontae just would spank that dude. You would see. There was literally my all time favorite highlight is Devonte doing a double move out of the slot uh manned up against Darius Slay. He catches a touchdown pass. He is so open that on the YouTube highlight replay, you don't even see Darius Slay in frame. <laughs> and that was that was the scenario where they could lose, but the Eagles are such a mess. Uh, even if all those surprises come to fruition, the Packers should be able to score with ease on them. And I I, I don't think that former Packer Doug Peterson is maybe that good of a coach. Um, last time they were good, Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator there. Frank Reich moved to Indianapolis. Indianapolis has had, I would say, consistently good offense, despite not always having the best offensive personnel, especially at quarterback when once Luck retired, and they seem to be very well coached. The Eagles seem to have just fallen apart without him. So um, I, I think this is a scenario where Matt's going to have his way, um, and Petten will be able to do enough to to trap the, the eagle the offense is just just terrible so should be okay not worried. travis fulgham is not not as involved as he was earlier in the year the uh, the guy who was in camp with the packers that's right who went on to have a couple great games for philly he's not what's going on with him um no one's quite sure including people in eagles media as far as i can tell um because he still appears to be their best receiver and he's been losing time and losing time and losing time so when when you google travis fulgham the number one news story is from the Philadelphia Inquirer titled, Why Didn't the Eagles Use Travis Fulgham? <laughs> <laughs> but we're not the only ones with that question. Yeah, so when I, I say that they're a mess, it's not just that they are they look ugly out on the field. There's definitely some, some backroom stuff with the Eagles that's not sitting well, and their personnel decisions on the field have, have been bizarre. So... Um, it, one uh, honestly, another thing that the Packers could have go wrong for them is actually have tra- Travis Fulgham's snaps go up again because he is their best receiver by a fair amount. Um, but uh, it's you know he's not that great. He's fine. He, he was camp fodder for a reason, and being the best Eagle receiver is like I don't know. I don't have a good analogy ready. Best bullfighter in Alaska. Um, <laughs> best bullfighter. <laughs> being the best Eagles receiver is like being a. Uh, and no, I got nothing either. Bullfighter in Alaska. That's that's actually a phenomenal right. analogy. I think I stole it from Dave Barry, um, but whatever. Um, all right. So, let's do some questions. Yeah, let's do questions. Let's get with the Patreon crew. Asilatam. Chicago Sun Bears had this to say about Khalil Mack. The Bears, though, aren't winning. That makes Mack the equivalent of a maitre d' at McDonald's. He's a Big Mac. <laughs> a fancy, expensive thing that doesn't fit into the reality of the moment. The article mentions the Bears seem to be heading toward a rebuild. Are we going to have three teams in the NFC North rebuilding at about the same time? I want to point out that JR snuck the Big Mac into that sentence, and that was an original by him, not part of the quote. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Um, 
uh, and yeah, we're having re- the the Lions are in a terrible spot. They have a giant payroll. They have all old players. They are in the, they're the Lions, and they're in the Lions spot of having to hire a new coach with a with a bad roster. And this happens to them every time. It makes it hard to attract talent, GM or coach, because they're not going to be a winner next year, kind of no matter what. Um, and yes, the Bears will also be rebuilding because they need a quarterback. They're Allen Robinson, free agent at the end of the year, and the rest of that offense is just trash. Um, that defense, which is good, um, it does have Khalil Mack for a while longer. He gets very, 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 very expensive starting after next year. So um, they're also not in a great spot, although I'd rather be their coach than the Lions coach. Um, Vikings are not going to rebuild. They're, they still have a good amount of talent. They actually had a pretty good offseason for both shedding salary and adding uh, they, they had good draft. The, their draft has actually been paying off pretty well. So I think that they can just reload. It's just a matter of having Cousins be a little, either a little better or getting through the Cousins contract and getting a better quarterback. Um, Cousins has been playing better lately, but we know when he gets to the playoffs, that will stop. Um, but Primetime Cousins, man. You love just, it. It's just the NFC North. It's it's how it always is and always will be. It's the Packers are the best. The Vikings are you know a fairly competent runner-up. And the Bears have a good defense and are just a tire fire, and the Lions are a tire fire with nothing. And that's that's your rankings forever and ever. Amen. It is written. Yeah. It is written. It's, so shall it be written. So shall it be <laughs> this, done. This, this is the way. This is the way. Uh, some questions from Twitter. Nobody, nobody asked. Do people really care more about wide receiver blocking than catching? So I don't know if that's like a you know who does. Matt Matt Lafleur does. There's context here, and that's actually. Uh, is I wonder if nobody is somebody that we know and talk about with on Twitter occasionally because that's a savvy question. Um, the Packer receivers um, tend to be giant people because Matt LaFleur does care about blocking so much. That's why Alan Zard is huge. Um, that's why MVS has been getting time and getting better at blocking. Devontae is the one exception here, although he's a willing blocker too. Um, and if you're not, uh, was it justice? If you're not, if you're not run blocking, you're running jet sweeps. Uh, was that that was, yes, it was Justice who said that yeah, Matt LaFleur's scheme requires either you run jet motion or you block. Yeah. So it's not that they care more about it, but it's a key part of the Shanahan LaFleur offense that everybody's got to be able to block somewhat. And if you're better at it, it's better for you. They, they do a lot of getting people the ball with you know screens and in space and having everybody be able to block and spring big plays is super important and also important to the running game and being able to run out of whatever personnel they want to have on the field. So um, it, it's more important for them than it is for most teams, but not as important as catching still. All right. Alan Lazard and MVS are wizards at it. They really are. Uh, and kudos to MVS for improving a ton, and Alan Lazard's always been good at it. Hey, what do you think? Oh, well, I was gonna say, what do you think Matt Lafleur would do with Prime Brandon Marshall? Play him all the time, make him a tight end. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Brandon Marshall is like the best blocking wide receiver of all time, uh, so he would love to have him. I'm sure, uh, even with all his trials and tribulations. Oh, it's weird because he's seen as sort of as a head case, obviously, and and I think when we think of players like that, we assume that it's an effort issue that they just don't want to put in the work. Obviously, like obviously, if you're a great blocking receiver, effort is probably not your issue. So that's a 
sort of an interesting thing. I mean, I I know Brandon Marshall had like legitimate issues with mental health. And yes, stuff he did. Like that, but like, yes, he but, he uh, was uh, diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Yes. Right. So and Brandon, but, but I just don't. I hope people don't equate that with like effort at all because the guy the guy worked his ass off. Yeah, they shouldn't. With Brandon Marshall's a very interesting person and an interesting story. Um, and who was actually pretty open about his mental health struggles and, um, you know, freely acknowledged they existed. I think a lot of players struggle with this and, and uh, are hesitant to let anything like that get out because it's viewed as a weakness. Uh, Marshall was kind of the opposite of that. And it did kind of ultimately lead to the end of his career, got the best of him. But um, yeah, nobody should ever judge that guy as having anything less than great effort because he was a terror on the field. Um, I mean, we talked about his blocking. He was one of the best pass-catching receivers for a number of years as well. Um, and uh, probably, let's see, um, I ran the list the other day um, to try and figure out the best bear receiver of all time. It probably actually is him. He was a little past his prime, but because his blocking was so good and he was still pretty good at receiving, it actually probably is him. There's not that many contenders. Bear receivers are almost as trash as their quarterbacks are. Um, so. When your quarterback's trash. So also... Prior to the league inventing my cause, my cleats, um, Brandon Marshall actually invented that during the month of October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Brandon Marshall took issue with the league making money off the Susan G. Coleman Foundation and wore highlighter green uh, cleats every single game, incurred a $10,000 fine every single game to raise awareness for mental health issues. Still around the game. I know he does like studio hosting and things like that. Yeah. So I, and I've heard him talk about that stuff before. Very, very interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Deal asks, the Packers have been scoring and piling up yards against some of the best defenses, Colts, Bears, Saints. At what point do we say the Bucks game was a blip? That's a good question. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I'm not sure it was a blip. I think that they learned from it. Um, and I think they learned from getting their brains beaten in a few times in a row by San Francisco and Tampa Bay. Um, so, I, I mean, maybe that is what a blip is. And they've just, just figured that out. They get they they have noticeably gotten much more diverse in their attacks against the good defenses. Uh, and they've really started attacking, like when I do my previews, like when I say where the weak spots are, that tends to be what they do. And they never used to do that. They used to just kind of play their game and just hope they would be able to out-execute very McCarthy-y when they'd run into the good defenses. And, and that's not the case anymore. They're going down the field. They're really attacking... Uh, making older corners turn around and run with their fast receivers. Um, it, it's nice to see. So um, may, uh, let's maybe not call it a blip so much as maybe the end of an era. I think that they're now well-equipped to deal with the good defenses when they run into them. Um, I'd, like, I'd love to see them have another matchup with the 49ers or the Bucks to kind of test it against the best. But uh, I, I'm pretty confident now that they know what they're doing. So so I'm I'm still saying that Matt LaFleur's in-game adjustments are such but his ability to learn from his previous mistakes is is definitely up there. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that's that's about right. Still need some work on that, but he'll get, he'll, he'll get better. He's been getting better. He's good at I I'm pro him improving. He seems to be good at it. I'm also pro him openly talking shit about Mike Patton in in <laughs> press conferences. <laughs> oh, I am a fan of that as well. Good times. Wonder if Packers fans are really uh, hoping that the Buccaneers keep free falling. I mean, they've played the Rams and the Chiefs, so you can't really blame them for losing those back-to-back games necessarily. But they've got a tough schedule ahead with the Vikings and Falcons. Falcons twice. Um, they also do get the Lions in Detroit. But uh, you know, they, the Packers may not have to worry about that matchup if the Buccaneers fall short. Now the trade-off is if they don't make it, you're probably going to see goals get in over them so that's not necessarily a better matchup by any means but uh 
True. The Bucks, the Bucks have been a mess since they added Antonio Brown, and that's correlation, not causation necessarily. But their offense specifically has been a mess since adding Antonio Brown. And um, there there has been friction between Arians and Brady over their play style. Arians likes to have his quarterback aired out and throw deep. Uh, Brady does not like to do that anymore and isn't good at it anymore. And so it's been a, a ton of friction between the two. Um, and I, I, if they crash and burn, I wouldn't be that surprised. I, I love the someone said it was like, the first game after they added Antonio Brown was a tire fire. And they said, Antonio Brown isn't a cancer. He's a bullet to the head. <laughs> it's graphic, man. But hey, man, cancer takes a while to set in and a bullet to the head doesn't. That's a good point. Yep. Zach Goldberg. Hey, we're speaking of draft sort of scenarios. What ifs? This is a really good one. I like this question. Long time follower, first time DM or was curious for your thoughts on something. Knowing what we know now, would you still take Elton Jenkins at number 44 of the 2019 draft, the most versatile lineman in football? AJ Brown and DK Metcalf still on the board, a ridiculously versatile and sturdy offensive lineman or a ridiculously talented playmaker at wide receiver? So, uh, I, I, I love this question. I actually gave him a, a pretty lengthy answer on Twitter because I did like it so much. And I think it's I think it's legitimately a tough question when you get into like second guessing. It's easy to second guess your misses in the draft. It's a lot harder to second guess your successes. And um, I, I'll tell you that objectively, wide receivers probably a little more valuable than especially an interior lineman, which Elton Jenkins usually plays. What makes this hard is he can play kind of anywhere. He's he's excelled at tackle when asked to go out there. He'll probably be a center, and he seems to be you know one of the best in the league already. So I don't think I go back and change this. He's just because he's been such a good fit and so valuable. He gives you such flexibility on your line to not have to keep multiple backups if you don't want to. But I wouldn't fault anybody for taking DK Metcalf or or Brown because they're also excellent, and the Packers could use either of them too. There's a good chance Metcalf is Calvin Johnson level good, and you know you don't want to say that you don't want that guy. Well, Calvin Johnson didn't run the agility drills at the combine. Had DK Metcalf not run the agility drills at the combine, he would look exactly like Calvin he Johnson. Would. So that's why DK Metcalf fell to the second round because of agility drills. That's right. Yes. yes, he he had like one of the worst three cones ever. And as, <laughs> I, as I told as I told Zach on Twitter, um, uh, one lesson I've learned from DK Metcalf is when when guys look like Calvin Johnson, run like Calvin Johnson, and are as big as Calvin Johnson, I'm no longer paying attention to agility drills. I don't care. Um, <laughs> well, if, and and that's the thing that people forget. Calvin Johnson was bad at them too. He was. So he just chose not to do them at the combine. Yeah. And, Smart move. Yep. And also, he wasn't agile on the field, and it didn't matter because if you're the greatest vertical threat like of all time, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so the the only problem I have with this question is there's actually a very easy answer. Okay. The, the question itself is a very hard answer. That's you're right. Do you take Elton Jenkins or DK Metcalf? That's a very hard question. The easy answer is you look one round further. Okay. In the third round, the Packers took Jay Sternberger with Terry McLaurin still on the board. <laughs> yes, they did. That's yeah. the answer to that question. The answer to do you still take Elton Jenkins? The answer is do you still take Elton Jenkins? Yes, you just don't take Jay, Jay Sternberger. Um, and Terry McLaurin, by the way, off the charts good metrics-wise, college production-wise. And for being on a team with just trash quarterbacks in Washington has been incredibly good so far. I think he flies under the radar a little bit, but his production is like second to none there. Imagine having two Devonta Adamses on this team. Yeah, that'd be nice. And they, and they could <laughs> I was have. actually, I was just talking about that with someone today. I was talking about Allen Robinson. I was like, it would be really nice to have Devonta Adams at both the X and the Y. <laughs> uh, Olson asks EQ, 
emergence, a good sign of things to come, or matchup specific flash in the pan. He had that uh, short run that was blocked very well that he famously like didn't really run very well. Probably could have been a bigger <laughs> game, but, yep. but he did make a couple plays in, the, in this game. He broke a tackle. He's broken tackle. He's broken a few now. It's good to see. So I think we need a little bit more on EQ to to have any definitive judgments. It's nice to see him making these big plays, but I do feel like there are a lot of schemed plays, which mm-hmm. those are good, but those are a better indication of the scheme than they are the player running them. Like the Danny Vitali special. You'll note he's no longer on the team. And um, EQ actually, I don't think he's on any team. He's not on any team. He's out of the league. Um, when we had Alan Lazard you know, get a cup of coffee last year, before we knew he was good, but maybe suspected he was. Um, he was putting up great efficiency stats with his small sample size. He was catching almost everything that was thrown to him, and he was doing a lot of damage with those. This year, um, EQ looks more like like a Kumaro stat line than a Lazard stat line. He's catching half of his targets, and he's making big plays with them, but I, I doubt that that's sustainable over the long haul. I'd like to see him you know, get into that 60-plus percent catch percentage range and be more consistent with doing like 12 yards at a time. So um, we need to see more. He's incomplete at this point. It's good he's doing stuff. It's good he's, you know, succeeding at the schemed open big play guy. That's fine. That's good. And it's nice to see. But uh, if, if we wanted to like replace somebody, be a starter in the future, we got to see a little bit more of him first. Honey, the strength athlete. Honey from the strength athlete. Yes, Sorry. Uh, it's, uh, it's Hanny. His last name is even harder to pronounce than any Packer fan last name I've ever heard. Uh, Jazirly. Jazir. Jazir. Wait, J-A- it's Jazirly? J-A-Z-A-Y-R-L-I. Okay. How do Bears fans feel about a theory of Fangio getting fired from the Broncos and finally empowering all this talent on the Green Bay defense? That would make me very excited. <laughs> Matt, it's your question. You go first. Yeah, so uh, he and I actually talked about this almost immediately after. Um, I, I've kind of got my ear to the ground with Bronco stuff, with them being local to me. And I will tell you that Benjamin Albright uh, is kind of the guy to follow for for Bronco's rumors. He has made a lot of uh, rumored predictions that came true that a lot of people bagged him for. So he 100% said there's no way that Fangio is gone. Like he goes, every he said his exact words were everything I have heard says Fangio is here for the long run. So sadly, pipe dream. But Hanny and I did talk about Wade Phillips. Of course you did. Of course you did. Because um, Wade Wade Phillips is our brand. It is. Is if if Fangio were to become available, he would. You should get that guy immediately. Um, I think what we've learned from watching Vic Fangio be a head coach and not fair to judge the Broncos at this point because there's a lot of external forces that have doomed them a little bit. I don't think Drew Locke's very good, and that's not Fangio's fault. But Fangio's a a very gruff guy. I don't think he's necessarily a good locker room presence, and I think he's your prototypical made-to-be-a-coordinator, not really made-to-be-a-head-coach. If you can get him back in the defensive coordinator role, I think he instantly makes you better, and if he's available, that would be a a huge upgrade. By the way, Matt, one of the best baseball writers ever is Rainy Jazerly, and I did, I think it's spelled the same. So, um, oh. we uh, we we baseball folks who've followed sabermetrics for a long time all know how to say that last name. Um, one of the Royals best, guy. Yeah, Royals guy. That's right. One of the best um, baseball old baseball podcasts ever, the Baseball Show with Rainy and Joe with Joe Sheehan. Um, so, um, that's a that's a familiar one. It is it is spelled slightly different. Hanny's name has no e. Ah, okay. 
I am I am Close. growing increasingly confident in this is probably not that far of a reach that Mike Patton will definitely not be fired during the season and then he definitely <laughs> will be fired in the offseason. I think that's, I, that's how I that's probably true. It, what's the line from the line from Super Troopers? Like the, there was a time we used to take guys like you out back and beat you with a rubber hose and now you got your goddamn unions. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's my opinion on Mike Patton. It's getting too late to fire him at this point. So he's going to make it through the season. And, I mean, if you want him gone, the big risk is they, they don't play any good offenses the rest of the year outside of Tennessee. So he's probably going to finish strong, as we've mentioned a couple times. Um, but uh, I think that they know he's bad. I do think that they have now made their assessments. I don't think LeFleur likes him. And I think that the, the decision may already be there, even if it's not you know out front and center yet. Back-to-back weeks with Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry. That could... Uh... That could sow the final seeds. I don't know. That's true. That's possible. I do look forward to hey. Derrick Henry's 500-yard day. Um, I yeah, that... see that record go down, and I do think he might be able to pull it off. So, actually, fun fact, um, due to a debacle with Amazon, I got a free copy of Vince Lombardi on Football Volume 2, which is Vince Lombardi's defensive strategy. Um, I feel like we should find a way for me to mail this to Mike Pettin. <laughs> <or Chris. laughs> uh, should we, though? <laughs> so there he, he's gonna this be is... out of your life soon enough yeah <laughs> just let him go don't antagonize him soon you won't have to think about him all right um i think that was all we had questions wise so um I, I think we super can, long we have to go we gotta go we gotta go so um real quick any plugs jr i saw that you had a thing today that i read so uh yes well uh a couple things the uh the series the San Francisco game is probably the least interesting game I find of the entire season. It gets a little more interesting with the Rogers getting concussed against Detroit the following week, the loss. And uh, speaking of Matt Flynn, get a lot of that. So, uh, so the, the 49ers game is up in my 2010 series. The Bucks have some city edition jerseys. It's uh look, it's, it's fine. I think it's fine, it's whatever, fine. but it's people totally have fine. opinions. There's a uniform involved, even if it's worn 15 times during the year. People have opinions, so we wrote about that a little bit today. Oh Jesus! Um, oh my God! I just googled them. Why? Ah, they're, they're very blue. <laughs> they're very blue. Um, they're the Charlotte Hornets. Did, did do a Wikipedia deep dive on the player coaches with Wisconsin ties, namely players and ex assistants for the most part, who went on to coach in the NFL. Relevant because Daryl Bevel, who is. Uh, responsible for one of the bigger moments in Wisconsin Badgers history is going to be head coach for the Detroit Lions he on sure Sunday. Is. The Lions fired Matt Patricia, which is unfortunate if you're a fan of the team who plays against the Lions. Uh, but uh, but Bevel, a longtime coordinator, longtime nemesis for the Packers, co- uh, been with the Seahawks, won a ring, yep. I believe, with the Seahawks, uh, also with the Vikings yep. for a long time. Yeah, he is now head coach at Detroit. Not you have to go back to the 1920s to find a UW coach that was a full appointed a full time head coach, uh, and that's obviously like pre you know prehistoric NFL. Uh, Mel Tucker, who's now a Michigan State head coach, he he was an interim coach for the Jaguars for a short time, but like oh, yeah. not a lot of UW players that have that have achieved this. There've been a few coordinators: Bill Callahan, Lovey Smith, uh, Brad Childress. Speaking of the Vikings, but but for the most part, uh, <laughs> not very often that a UW person that gig so uh wrote that at jsonline.com cool matt anything for you Uh, nothing specific to plug just a psa uh the section of packer fans that are saying we should have drafted a wide receiver or we should have traded for someone or whatever is now smaller and quieter than the section of fans that hate those fans so the the anti 
uh, criticism fans are now the loud, annoying people. So if you are currently dunking on people over Will Fuller failing of a ped test or saying, oh, we just put up 45 points on a top five defense, shut up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the, the season is turning into a pissing contest between the, the cynics and the diehards. And every season <laughs> this one i don't know it just feels worse maybe it's because we're all going kind of uh stir crazy and got some cabin fever yeah, gotta do but, something it's true <laughs> will kenny stills be a packer next week he should be he really should he be. should be he should be a packer right now I mean, what he should he be, be what he should be is a texan since they need a receiver but uh what he would, <laughs> the packers should definitely be knocking down his door he'd be a perfect addition um I, I have column up in the Shepherd Express making fun of Bear quarterbacks. It's a fun read. Go check it out. And I'm going to have a, a piece up at Acme Packing Company later on this week making even more fun of the Bear quarterbacks. So um, please enjoy all of that. And do remember, if you join the Patreon at patreon.com slash mkatailgates, uh, in 15 days, you will be in a raffle to win one of three bobbleheads, one of Giannis Antetokounmpo, one of Aaron Rodgers, and one of Christian Yelich. So go three ahead. Three kings, baby. Holiday yep. season. Go ahead, sign up at the ball and glove level or higher and get that stuff. Um, until next week, we will talk to you then.